Welcome back, friends. Hello, friends. We have been in this series talking about loving each other well. Um, and the reason why we're talking about it is because loving a person is hard. It's challenging, um, especially loving family can be really hard and challenging. Um, you know, we've been spending a lot of extra time together, most of us in our homes, because, you know, this virus has us kind of stuck in a house together, <laughs> afraid to go anywhere. And then some of us got to see some family over the holidays and maybe some of us didn't. And, and we're either feeling, you know, that normal tension and frustration of, oh, these are people I love, but they're some of the hardest people for me to deal with. <laughs> or we're feeling like, man, I really wish I could deal with my family, even though they're hard, but we're not able to this year. So we're on one of those two scales. Mm. Today, we're just going to be talking about that the fact that love is hard and that um, there are challenges, but that um, the reason why we are trying to love each other well, the reason why that's one of our six pillars of family worship is because it is so hard. It's not just a fluffy thing that we're saying. Um, it doesn't just flow out of us, even though we want it to. Yes, absolutely. Loving each other well is really war. You know, it's not easy. It's it's a fight um, to try to love each other well. Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking today on the podcast. We're excited to dive in with you about that. Um, if you're new here, my name is Jonathan. And I'm Emily. And together we're the Martin family. And we are loving this podcast. And if you're just jumping in with us for some reason on episode 33 of the podcast. Welcome. Um, welcome. This is a podcast where we're just exploring what it looks like to worship God as a family as we go. And that obviously means things like reading God's word, praying together and singing. But it also means things like we're talking about now. We're in this little mini series of loving each other well. That's one of the things we want to be intentional about. Um, we also want to have fun together. And we also want to serve together. And so we're just we believe that all of these things contribute to our worship of God as a family and as an individuals. And so um, we're happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, and recently, so we're in this series on loving each other well. Um, we've had a couple episodes. We, we talked a few episodes back mm -hmm. about how, you know, our, the reason why loving each other well is connected to our worship of God. Because sometimes we might not think that that's the case. Yeah, we might think that it's, I mean, honestly, I did. And I knew these parts of the Bible, but we tend to think that loving each other well is an add-on in some way. Like we, we want to be saved for eternity. And then these other things are just ways to be good Christian people. Instead of seeing loving one another truly as an inseparable part of our relationship with God and an inseparable part of our worship. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have that question, like what does loving each other well have anything to do with the worship of God? Um, you might want to just jump back a couple episodes and check that out. And then last episode, we talked about um, just some ways to be intentional in loving each other well. And we talked about five different ways. One of them is to be intentional, to love each other well, and or like making a point to know each other, or I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones Express are. Express our love. Oh, yes. Verbalize it, display it in action, not just in word, but also in deed. Yeah. And so that was last episode. So go and check that out. And this episode, which we were hoping to get out to you a little bit sooner, um, 
we with our holiday plans and travels, we weren't able to get this episode out before Thanksgiving. And then we know we're a little late getting out to you this week, but true story, we've actually already recorded this podcast and we had we did (laughs) we stayed up super late after the kids went to bed and recorded this whole podcast and then it sounded like this it was like (laughs) so so sorry we did try to get it out on time it just didn't work um but we hopefully i guess if you're listening to this we did we were able to make it work and we were able to overcome our issues victory um but we're going to be talking today again just about uh the fact that love is difficult. And what do we do about that? Like, how do we love our families well in spite of the fact that loving is hard? You know, we live in a culture in a world where, you know, this idea of loving a person, we we suspect that it's natural to us. We suspect that, you know, it's just, if, if only we could find the one person mm-hmm. that we just deeply love, then we're just naturally going to be able to just love them and give ourselves to them and they're going to love us. Um, but loving a person isn't natural to us, especially in our sin nature. We, our tendency and our default is to actually just focus on focus ourselves. on ourselves and to love ourselves. I mean, and even just thinking about the most perfect person, granted, we can't see him. And so I think sometimes we forget to think about God as a person, but Jesus was the perfect person and people still hated him. <laughs> we don't tend to love, we won't love God on our own, even though he is perfect and loves us perfectly. So why in the world do we think we're going to love each other perfectly? Yeah, and I think too with this whole idea that you'll just find somebody that you naturally love. I think you know, one of the reasons why God has given us families is so that we can learn how to love because we're stuck with these people, you know? <laughs> it's it's a lot easier we can make ourselves feel really good when we're able to be really nice to other to like strangers or to new people that we just met or you know, a lot of times in the movies whenever people fall in love, they like barely know each other and they've barely spent you know, time together, you know, give them a couple years of being locked in a house and during coronavirus and let's see how they're doing, you know, (laughs) with this whole love thing. The truth is like we, we get annoyed with each other. We get irritated with each other. Um, We begin to realize that, Hey, you don't think about me 24 seven and you're not 24 seven, like, you know, thinking about my needs and what I want, but you're just like me, you're thinking about yourself and you're expecting me to think about you. And, um, and so we uh, we can make ourselves think that we are good at loving people whenever we're just being nice or meeting new strangers. But we to one way to really know that we're growing in love is to to think about how things are going with the people that are closest to us, with our family members, and or maybe even just with people that we work with, the people that we're doing life with on a day to day basis. That's the real litmus test for how we're doing in regards to loving mm-hmm. other people well. So the question is, how do we grow in love? And how do we grow, even though love is really hard and really challenging in our families, um, how can we grow in love? And one of the reasons why God wants us to love each other well is because our love for one another is an expression of his love or who he is Mm -hmm. oftentimes to other people. And so you have any thoughts on how we can grow in this? Well, we are image bearers. We've talked a lot about that in wanting to honor one another in the way that we love one another, but we were created to love God and to display the way that he loves 
to other people. We're supposed to be meant to be vessels of his love and to be like he is. And we have a God, we're going to talk about this more in the episode today, but I've been sitting in First John, we both have for a while now with our church family in our small groups. And First John is all about how God is love and how his commandment for us is to love one another. Um, and how the two are really inseparable. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how when Jesus gives us the is asked what the greatest commandment is, he says to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And those two things are inseparable. And then in 1 John, it says in chapter 3, verse 20, oh, it's so tiny. Verse 23, it says, and this is his commandment singular, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he commanded us. I love seeing a, that that is all one all encompassing command, but if we're image bearers and we have issues knowing how to do this because in our flesh, we are flawed and we need help. The Lord knows that we need an example. If we're going to reflect him, he needs to show us what love is. And we know that God is love, but I love how I'm saying the word love so many times. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for the brothers. And what so strikes me in this is that God doesn't just expect us in our fallen state to just get it, to be able to overflow this perfect love. He shows us what it looks like so that we can then respond to his love, be filled by it, and then image it forth in laying down our life for the people around us. I think that's a great point. And I think whenever we think about loving other people well, um, our first reaction is to go, okay, let me look at what love looks like. For example, in first Corinthians 13, you know, I have it, it pulled up. Um, it says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It isn't arrogant, rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable, resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoings. It rejoices with the truth. Um, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. And that's an amazing passage of scripture. And when I look at that, I want to grow in these things. And sometimes, you know, when I think about growing in love, I think, okay, I'm going to just pull up in my Bible and I'm going to like work on being kind, or I'm going to circle the ones that I'm really bad at work on being patient. And there is some wisdom to that. A lot of God's word is given to us so that we can begin to, to evaluate, self-assess, evaluate, and then also, you know, find ways to, to grow in the things that are in his word. For example, growing in patience, that's a good thing to grow in. But the truth is that I think in order to really grow in love, we can't, that's really not step one. You know, that's our tendency is to start there. But step one is to be able to sit and abide in God's love for us. And that sounds really flowery Mm -hmm. until, until we do it and until we go, you know what? what I need more than anything is to know that I am loved by God, that, that this list of things, when it says love is patient, love is kind, does not envy or boast, isn't arrogant or rude, insist on its own way. You know, these are things that God has done for us. He, he loves us in this way. He is patient with us. Mm. Very. He's so patient with me. He is overly kind to me. You know, one of the things that I really struggle with, with God is sometimes, you know, when I read that love is not irritable or resentful, you know, how often 
I don't know about you guys, but I, I often sometimes can think that God is bitter or resentful mm. or mad at me or um, keeping a irri- list of offenses. Yeah. Irritable with me. Um, I have a hard time believing that God bears with me in all things, but because of what Christ has done for us and that itself is not display of God's great love, you know, he, he loves difficult me in this way. He, he isn't irritable or resentful towards me. He is, he is, I have his smile on me at all times and he has pursued me. In fact, I love that in first Corinthians 14, right after this big list of love, you know, the first two words of first Corinthians 14 are pursue love. Um, love, like we've talked about is something that we have to be intentional about. And it's something that God has been super intentional about as we have just been sinful and resist, continue to resist him. Um, both as individuals, but also as like a human race, you know, what we see and the reason why we have God's word primarily is not for to have a list of rules or a list of wisdom or things to grow in. That is definitely heavy in burdens here. that we could never lift. Yeah, that is definitely in here. Um, and that's good. But the primary reason why we have God's word is so that we might know God's love for us. And so that we know all the heavy lifting that he has done for us and the ways that he's pursued us and he's moved towards us. And it's whenever we're able to sit and to know that kind of love, you know, not just once, but but ongoing on a consistent basis, the more that I'm able to, to know God's love for me and my love cup is kind of filled up in that way, um, the more I'm compelled then to, act in greater patience or kindness towards others and not be irritable or resentful and to bear, to bear with difficult people like my son, even when as much as I I feel affections towards him, sometimes I have a hard time loving him well, because I get resentful and irritable and short with him. Just the other night, we, you know, we were playing a game together and he's getting his little seven-year-old tood attitude (laughs) and sass. And I can just become really quick and to become irritable and frustrated um, and to speak harshly. And so even though I might feel affections for him, loving him well is difficult. But the more that I remember that my father who loves me and has given himself up for me, he is not quick to be irritable or overly frustrated with me. The The quicker I am to, to go or the more it helps me then operate in that, towards my son, for example, um, to go, you know what? God is so, you know, as annoying as Judah might be right now, I am so annoying to God constantly. I know that I feel that in myself (laughs) and yet he is very, very kind and patient and not quick to be irritable with me. And that, that makes me want to move towards my son in that way as well. And so I think sitting in God's love is the first step. I love that thinking about this reminds us and reminds me that learning to love well really has to do less with self-assessing and trying to be better, but it really has more to do with abiding. Jesus says, abide in my love. Without me, you can do nothing. When we get into the word and we get to see God for who he truly is, when we get to see that he is kind and patient and doesn't take offense and sympathizes with us in our weakness, when we feel 
our need for God, when we see that that list of things in First Corinthians or in First Corinthians thirteen, and we see how deficient we are and how in need we are of these attributes, we can look at that, like you said, and go, "Wow, God is." all of those things for me. And in all of my need, he's filling all of those things for me. And so when I'm pouring that out on my family members, I'm pouring out of something that's not coming from my feelings and not coming from my self-will, but that's coming from a place of abiding in God's love for me, remembering how much he has done and is constantly doing for me. And I'm imaging that forth and sharing that with the people around me. I personally have been, I mean, so many times in our marriage when I am feeling reluctant to give more of myself, whether it's my mind or my heart or my patience or my body or my time to you, I'm not normally moved by just trying to make my feelings in line with what I know that I should do. The way that the Lord has spoken to me tenderly over and over again is by showing me his love for me that humbles me, shows me my need and fills me up and makes me want to show that love to you in the ways that I love and serve you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this really just comes down to motivation is what we're talking about because we can know the right things to do. I mean, this is the case for so many things in our life. We know we might know the right things. We might have read God's word before and know that we should love each other. Well, we might nod our heads at this, but when it really comes down to it, we need motivation to live out these truths and to grow in this. And so I think, you know, that's why it's important, like you're saying, to to be in a constant place where we are constantly abiding in God's love, that we're making a point, you know, we cannot love other people well un- unless we are spending time with God, knowing and being inf- and intimately being acquainted with his love for us on a day-to-day basis. Um, that is super important because that is what motivates us. You know, I think it was Paul that says, you know, the love of Christ compels us. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, <laughs> I think I can't even remember the quote right now, but it makes me think of a, I think it's a John Maxwell quote where he talks about motivation, where he, he equates it. He says, you know, motivation is, is hard to have every day. And he says something like, yeah, well, it's hard to not stink every day too. So that's why you bathe every day. I don't know. I can't remember the quote, but the whole point is like, we need to renew our motivation consistently, you know, and we don't need to be discouraged by the fact that we need that renewal of motivation. We just do. And God knows that, which is why we're encouraged to spend time with him on a day to day basis. Um, these things are just so connected. This is just where like the worship of God, the reading of his word, the knowing him, the is is so connected with our ability to love well. Um, that's why we're we have these six pillars because they're very interconnected, and you really can't do one well without the other. Um, and so, and and the thing is, is it's important when we think about family worship. I know we've talked about this before, but if we pursue things like family worship, if we try to be intentional to um, worship God together as a family and to be in His Word. Um, and we don't have this piece of like also striving to love each other well, then 
we are kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, mm-hmm. I would say. Absolutely. Because even in, in 1 Corinthians 13, before we get this long list of what love is, um, he says this, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clinging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I have gained nothing. And so the same could be said for, for our family worship times. You know, we might be full of like knowledge of God's word or this, or even full of passion to sing to God or, or like a desire to pray or, or, you know, we might be really good at like serving one another and we just want to like serve and give our lives and lay our lives down. But if we don't, if we're not growing in practicing love well with one another, then at the end of the day, we really have nothing. And I know that we don't want to be a part of nothing. We want to be a part of something. And that's just key to our family worship. And when we think about kids, you know, I think this is just common sense. If they are not feeling loved well by mom and dad, um, and yet mom and dad lead them into this family worship, doing all these things, um, you know, that, that can become a point of resentment, you know, um, this family worship time can become a, a place where we begin to resent mom and dad because we're not feeling seen, we're not feeling known, we're not feeling like they're being patient with us or kind with us or bearing with us. We all need to be experiencing that kind of love and to be growing in that love. And so it's just super crucial that we are growing in loving each other well as we are also thinking about you know, growing and being intentional in family worship. You know what I think is so encouraging? I think a lot of us could hear that. And I know I have think, well, I shouldn't start an intentional time of family worship of opening the Bible and praying and singing together until I feel like I am really loving my family well and making that a condition. But instead It's just all of this is reminding me of Psalm 90, where it says, where it's come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. And then it says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Every time we get together for family worship and open God's word together and talk to him and sing to him, if we are coming to him with soft hearts, ready to see the love of God displayed in his word, to commune with him by talking to him and abiding in his love and prayer, to dwell on it and praise him for it as we sing, we are abiding and steeping ourselves in the love of God. That's our opportunity every day to encounter God's love because we can't just muster it up on our own. Like we've been saying, we've, we have to be, we've got to be abiding in it. We've got to be just soaking ourselves in the love of God. And so as we get this opportunity as families to come to the word each day, to spend time worshiping God together, if we come to it with a heart of going, God, we want to experience your love today. We want to hear your steadfast love every morning or every night when we come together as a family. And we want to be changed by it. We want to be humbled by it. We want to be overwhelmed by it. And Lord, change us as we are changed by your love. We know from 1 John that it says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so I think it's... It's just helpful to remember that loving is, it is a labor 
but it's never, it's never a mustering. Loving others is always a response to how we've been loved by God. And experiencing the love of God is not something that is just going to happen by walking around and thinking happy, fluffy thoughts about God is love. It's going to be by getting to know his love, seeing through his word and through walking with him and talking to him and inviting him into our daily lives that he is kind, that he is patient, that he does sympathize with our weaknesses, that he doesn't hold offenses against us and to be changed by that and then to want to to pour that out on our family members to be convicted by that to let the word divide our hearts and show us where we need to lean in more to the love of God uh, let it expose us and and humble us as we seek to love one another yeah I think too the reason why we don't have to you know we we want to be intentional and we want to be thinking about loving each other well but we don't need to be perfect at this to start family worship or you know, to, to engage in these things. And one of the reasons is, is, you know, we want to talk more about this in the future, but when we want to think, when we think about family culture, um, that's why we have, this is one of our pillars. We want our families, our kids, um, you know, one of the things that you could do with this is create a mission statement. So just this understanding that the family, we are all trying to be intentional to love each other. Well, mom and dad too. And, and in that, in saying that is a vulnerability and a confession that we're not good at this, you know, that we we like, we're not as good at this, at least as we want to be, we want to all be growing and loving each other well. And so, you know, having that as a pillar is a confession that we're not there yet. Yeah. You know, we're not, we have not arrived at doing this well. That includes mom and dad. Mom and dad have not yet arrived at loving each other well or loving you guys as well as we want to. And we all want to be growing in love. And so in that way, we don't have to wait till we're good at this to start. Um, we This creates a chance for us to be vulnerable together and say, hey, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm more messed up than I want to be, you know, even as your dad, as much as I love you, like I don't love you as much as I want to, or I don't love you as well as I want to, I guess is what I should say. Mm -hmm. And I think that vulnerability is really key and also even really healing to kids because I think sometimes as parents, we want to almost do the opposite and say, well, you should know how much I love you. Well, like if a kid's frustrated with us, you know, we're like, well, you should just know how much I love you. And like, I just love you. And that that is a really quick way to shut down conversation and to not hear each other and to not know each other. And then, so the, the reverse of that is to build a culture where we're going, you know what, like, I'm just going to go ahead and admit on the front end that there are going to be times where I'm not going to love you well. And there's even a built in accountability within our family of going, we have admitted that we're not all, we're all not very good at this. And so we're open to hearing ways in which we might not be doing this well with one another. And, and we're just going to go to the source together. Yeah. We're going to go to the perfect source of love together. I know for me, the thing that's ministered to me the most, and I think speaks the most of God's love to me in our marriage. And I've seen in our parenting too. I mean, ultimately in our times of worship, we want our spouses and ourselves and our kids to experience the love of God. We want to image that forth ultimately so that God can be seen and known. And I know times when I've wounded you or you've wounded me and you've spent time with the Lord and been affected by his love and then have come to me and expressed your vulnerability and your imperfection, but then how you've been so moved by God's love for you in some way that then you want to pour it out on me. God is, I don't want to say never, but he, he is so real to me in those moments, in, in those moments of vulnerability and not being perfect. 
I'm getting to see the perfect love of God change you and be poured out on me. And I think that's really important and helpful for us as parents too, just knowing that we're not going to love our kids perfectly. And we can confess that to one another and go to the source one another to one another and show them where the source of our love comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we wrap up today, um, you know, just thinking about family worship, we just wanted to let you guys know about a couple of things going on with our ministry. The first is that, um, you know, if you, if you were following along with us a few months ago, we released something called family worship initiative and that is now relaunched. We relaunched it a while back. We, it's a six weeks program. We went through the six week program with 50 plus churches and families. And it was a wonderful thing. It was our beta launch. And now we are relaunching it uh, for Christmas at 25% off for your family. Um, This is something you can get for your individual family or churches. It's something that you could also buy in a bundled pack for the families of your church if you want to encourage them to start family worship. And that's really what this is. This is just a place to start. Sometimes we just need a place to start. We need something that's already put together so we don't have to think through, like, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? But we just have a packaged program ready to go. And that's what we did. We created that um, to go along with our God of Generations album, which is a family worship album. And so it's basically, this program is just a six weeks program full of devotions for you to do during your week. They're only five minutes long. We're not talking about doing a full church service. And then you can sing together in your homes with with the God of Generation songs because that's where all these devotions are coming from. It, it They're all um, kind of centered around the same scriptures and the same themes. And so we are excited to relaunch that to you and wanted to let you know that that's available. Um, the relaunch ending date is Christmas Day. And so you have the next few weeks, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, to go and and get that. Again, it's on sale for 25% off. So it's only $15 for a family for that six weeks program, or it's even less than that if churches buy it in bulk. And so we would love for you to go and check that out. And there's more information uh, on our website, jonathanemily.martin.com slash family worship initiative. And then the other thing that we just wanted to mention before you leave today is that we're launching all kinds of fun things, but one of the things that we've been really taking time to craft and we're excited that we've released this week is our brand new blog. You know, we love this podcast. It's um, fun to be able to just sit and talk with you, but these are, you know, longer pieces of content. And if you would like to have like little short two minute exposure to things that we're doing and thoughts that we have in regards to, you know, family worship, in regards to um, creating a family culture and being intentional about that, even thoughts on how to thrive in our marriages. Um, And then even just thoughts to help us dive deeper into God's word, because we love diving deep into God's word. If you would like that, then come and check out our blog on our website. And we've just released our first few blogs over there. And um, we are excited about that. And so hop on over to the blog And beyond that, we just want to thank you for joining us again on this episode of the As You Go podcast. And we are excited to see you guys next week. We have another episode um, where we're going to be focusing on this pillar of loving each other well. And we're excited to do that together next week. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll see you next week. See you next week.